0: Thankful you're here. Um, I, I, well, usually before I do a message, I, you know, sometimes at least I'll throw up on Facebook. Not, not throw up. That sounded weird. <laughs> I won't, I won't vomit on Facebook. But I'll put something. I'll post a question that I just know that it's it's just gonna um, bring a response. And Taryn will tell me like a day later, or a few hours later, like that post is blowing up or something. And I'm like, yeah, I figured. And this week I I asked a question. I said, what's your biggest insecurity? And I was so thankful for so many people, some of you in the room that just shared what you're insecure about. I, I was just so thankful for just a moment of vulnerability in a life that most of us lead, which is trying to cover all our our insecurities and trying to deflect them and deal with those. And I just said, I'll lead the way. Mine's rejection. I've got a big insecurity about rejection. And you can know when someone has an insecurity because it's usually right beneath that thing that makes them really mad, right? I was uh, doing a marriage counseling a little while back with a couple, and we were sitting at a table, a dinner table, and, uh, Somehow, the husband's uh, family got brought up, and as soon as that happened, the wife got super mad. And I later found out that um, there was was a a long relationship there with his family, and it was really good. But it wasn't about the good relationship she had with his family. It was about what wasn't there. And some of these insecurities are things that are just so deep and, and maybe go back so far. Insecurities come in all shapes and sizes. Body image is a big insecurity. I won't ask you to raise your hand for the reason that you'll it'll be make sense to you if you ha- if you're insecure about sweating a lot in your armpits. I know this is a thing for men and women. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand, right? So that would just make it worse. I'm not trying to pile on top of it. But but we have insecurities like that. Body image of height and weight and all those. Di- we have all these different types of. Insecurities, and it's funny to me. Like guys who want to be uh, are short and want to be tall, and then tall guys want to be shorter. uh, Particularly when they get off a long flight, you know, somewhere they're like, "Man, I wish I was a few inches shorter. That'd be nice." Or ladies with no curves want curves, and ladies with curves want no curves. It's it's like this funny thing where we seem to want, like even Heidi Klum. You familiar with her? I think you could probably say this of all these supermodels out there. So many of them, they're they're kind of they're paid lots of money for their beauty, but they're still so insecure. Like it's never it's never enough. Heidi Klum was talking about she's insecure about her arms and her thighs and her butt, and like she pretty much named everything. Like what are you not insecure about in your body image? It's another one. I I think that's one category is like the body image stuff. I think uh, success Uh, are like failure, afraid to fail, afraid uh, we're insecure about how much money we make in comparison to other people or the type of job we have or failing even as a, a parent or a husband or a wife. We can have all these insecurities built in in regards to success. You guys know John Lennon. John Lennon was insecure about his success. One of the most famous, one of the most successful songwriters of all time. And he, when he and his uh, second wife, Yoko Ono, who some of you know, some of you don't, but it was the second wife, they, they wrote music together. And when it was time to get the music out there, John Lennon was insecure that he didn't want his wife, his own wife, her name to come before his on all the music. He was insecure about that. So even John Lennon confessed about his insecurity. I think it goes into our personality and our intelligence that we're never as smart as the people next to us. And it doesn't matter what career you do or what circle you find, and that insecurity rises up. It, it pops and, and, and shows its head in many ways that we're not as intelligent, or people don't like our personality, or they don't think we're funny. And somewhere, this, whatever it is for you, that insecurity will find itself just peeking and rearing its ugly head. It's personality intelligence. And the last one, I think, is in our relationships that insecurity about rejection, like I said, uh, about acceptance all kinds of different things within our relationship, the things we're jealous of in other people's relationships. So there's all these built-in insecurities. And we, we all of us, we handle them differently. Some of us, when that insecurity rises up, we just deflect it. We just, like, knock it off or we'll criticize someone else in order to deal with our insecurity about failure or loneliness or never being enough. We'll just kind of deflect that and critique other people, and it's how we're just handling that. Other times it'll just make us mad lots of different ways. I feel like there's no one in scripture that, that that is more vivid in how what God did in the life, in their life, in their identity, than Moses when it came to insecurity. He started out a super insecure leader, and I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk to you today about insecurity, identity in Christ, and walking in obedience to live the dream that he's called us to. And when we talk about this dream, what we've been talking about for the past few weeks is the dream that God has planted deep inside of our heart and deep in this place, in the heart of this place, this dream that we're on together to to, to let our lives be for his glory and for his renown. That is the dream, dream, nothing more, nothing less. There's other things that we could add on that are dreams in our heart, and this will all apply there, but if we don't get first things first, seek first his righteousness and the kingdom of heaven. Everything else will be be added unto us. So let's get that first today. Let's go. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 4, and because I'll be tracking through probably um, 10, uh, 12 chapters, I'm going to do a lot of paraphrasing, and it'll be up here behind us. The first place we have to start when we're talking about insecurity is really understanding our identity in Christ. Some of you will know Moses, and some of you won't know who Moses is. Moses was born a Hebrew. He's a patriarch of the Hebrew faith. And what our faith eventually would be built on. Um, and he, he was born into a Hebrew, a Jewish family. And he was, his mother was feared for his safety. And so she, she dropped him in a basket, more faith than what most of us would have. And she sent him down a river. And just so happened, he didn't die, but he would get picked up by no other than the Egyptian pharaoh, his daughter. And so if you know anything about the story, then you know that all of Israel is in slavery. And they've been in slavery like Moses' father and his grandfather and his grandfather's father and his grandfather's father. They've been in slavery for nearly 430 years by the time they, they come out um, of slavery. So they're in the, running through Hebrew and Jewish blood. All they know is slavery. They don't know anything else. And some of us in here, we don't know anything else other than slavery. And we're going to talk more about that as we go on. But he he gets sent down. He gets picked up. So he grows up in a palace when all of the Hebrews are out there slaving out in the fields and doing those different things. He's he's growing up, and he's got a great education, and he's eating well, and everybody else is suffering. And so he he gets raised in this environment. So he's got some built-in insecurities maybe about abandonment. Maybe he's got some built insecurities that go further than that here. He says this in uh, Exodus 4 verse 1. God is calling him to go and lead these Hebrew people out. This one, this abandoned boy gets raised up and God's calling him to this great, great vision and dream that he's supposed to do. What if they don't listen to me? We've got to understand our identity in Christ. What if they don't listen to me? And for most of us, our insecurity will have us focus on the outcome. What if they don't? When I was in fifth grade, my teacher called me what if boy. She literally called that to my face and she called it because I had a what if for everything. And maybe you're like that. Maybe you're in here. And there's a what if for everything. What if they don't do this? What if they say this? What if I don't get the job so I won't even apply? I won't get into the program so I won't even apply. My marriage isn't going to work so uh, it didn't work for my parents so I'm not even going to try. What if? What if? What if? And his his quiz, you can see the insecurity because he's focused on the outcome. Our insecurity will have us focus on the outcome. Our identity in Christ will have us focus on obedience. Simply on obedience. I won't be obsessed with the what ifs. I'll be obsessed with hearing God's voice and what did you say to me. And it's okay to ask questions, but we need to see, is my question focused on the outcome or is it focused on obedience? God, is this what you're asking me to do? Is this the way in which you want me to do it? Is this what you're saying? It's confirmation about obedience. It's not questioning the outcome. Because God takes full responsibility of those who wholly give themselves to him. He takes full responsibility. And so our responsibility goes to obedience. We'll come back to that. What if they don't listen to me? This is built in. And understanding. And, and for what well, I, I want to, to start with and understand is talk about identity in Christ and understanding this for just a second. Because insecurity is just untransformed identity. Insecurity is just untransformed identity. And some of those things are going to take a short time, some of them are going to take a lifetime. But God is constantly, he's just, I feel like every season I go through and I think I get over one thing and then something else will reveal it and I got to go back to it. And God's taking me deeper and deeper and deeper in my identity in him. And most of us struggle, we struggle. And I, I think at the very core, if we just, pulled back all of the insecurities and I could just boil it, put it in a big stew and just boil it down to one and it boils down to this identity thing and it boils down to worthiness. Do we feel worthy? I remember when we first, um, or not too, not too long ago, maybe a year or so ago, I was talking with someone and uh, they were talking to me about communion on the table. I think we were at DNA sessions and stuff. They said, I don't feel worthy to come. I'm like, I know. I know. None of us do. That's because we're not worthy. <laughs> That's the gospel. We're not worthy. Jesus makes us worthy. But most of us, our, our worthiness and our affirmation comes from how smart we are. And how beautiful we are. And how successful we are. But true identity in Christ doesn't come from how smart we are, how, how wise we are, how successful we are, or how intelligent we are. It comes from how loved we are by the creator of the universe. That is where our identity comes from. And if we can boil it down, if we really want to overcome some of these insecurities that are just all over the place, you got to know how much the creator of the heaven thinks of you. Way more than what any person on the face of this planet will ever think or care about you. More than my wife loves me, God loves me. Because there will be days where I I annoy her. There's probably a lot more of those than I'd care to admit. But God is always He's always waiting. He will not forsake. He will not leave us. Our identity comes from Him. So we've got to understand our Id- identity is in Him. And so um, we, we continue on. It's, it's not just, I think, not only the first thing of, of understanding the identity in Christ, but I think we've got to let go of the past. I think that's what this gets on into when we're talking about insecurity. We've got to let go of some of the things in the past Get to to verse 10, and he's he's still encouraging Moses. He's still kind of battling this insecurity thing. And he says this, I've never been eloquent of speech. Yeah, think about this. There's over 600,000 men in Israel that are in slavery, plus women and children. And he's got to go in to the most powerful person, and he's got to say, let my people go, Right? And you can just imagine it like I can, like he was. What if they don't listen to me because I'll probably stutter through it? He had this insecurity with his stuttering, not just his, his place and his worthiness and about the outcome, but about his actual skills and what God was actually asking him to do. And we've got to let go of the past if we're going to walk into the new creation that God has called us to be. I've never been eloquent of speech. Your insecurity will always have you focus on the past. Before Christ. And God's response to him is like one of those drop the mic moments. I love these because they just shut us all up. And he shuts him up real quick. So you got to be careful sometimes the questions you ask. He says in verse 11, God responds right back to him. Who gave humans their mouth, bud? <laughs> That's like, all right, good call, good call. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Point well taken. Um, he's saying I got this we talk about worthiness, what builds from that worthiness in time and as we follow Jesus, our trust. This is at the core of it, is our trust. Do we trust God? And I guarantee you, all across this room, in all of our lives, there is something right now that we are not submitting and trusting God in. And if, if we if we really just drill down in that scenario or that relationship or that work situation there 's something that man we just for honest, if we look ourselves in the mirror we 're not trusting God in and, and we 've got to let go of the past and walk in. we 've got to walk in the new, let the old, let the old go, let the old go and I think there's so much to this I had um, uh, one of my my mentors, I remember he used to tell this story, and they were in a, a small country church and this lady got up and gave like an old school testimony. Some of you guys will remember something like this if you grew up in church a while back. And, and uh, this lady got up, got up and gave a testimony. It was, you know, 10, 15 minutes probably. It was a little bit long. And then she said all this stuff that God had delivered her. She was such a gossip. And she was talking about the pastor behind the back and all this stuff. She was resenting. She was, you know, nagging her husband, all these different things she said. And then at the very end of it, she goes, but that, I guess that's just the way I am. And she sat down. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You just discounted everything that God had done in you and said, nope, I'm just that, that's really who I am. And that's what insecurity will do, is it latches onto you and it turns into shame. And it turns into resentment of people and it it turns into bitterness about who God had created you to be instead of falling in love with who God had created you to be. We gotta let go of the past. Um, And the last thing here, I I think, that I won't go too far into because I need to move on, but it's not just uh, understanding identity in Christ and letting go of the past, but understanding identity within the body of Christ. End of chapter 4, we we see this guy Aaron, who is Moses' brother. And God says, after he fights with Moses a little bit about his insecurity to speak up, he says, look, Aaron will do the talking. I've brought him alongside of you. And I think part of I think we we've built on this a little bit the past couple of weeks, but understanding our identity in Christ extends to the body of Christ. Extends to the body of Christ. He he brought Aaron alongside him. And sometimes God won't just, you know, fix all your weaknesses right god doesn't just come in and just do you know make everything and he was he was a stutterer and now he's not No, sometimes he he, he works with you and he's trying to get something down about trust and who he's created you to be and really obedience but really he, a lot of times he's just going to bring somebody alongside of you because god's glorified in that god's glorified in our weakness he's glorified So Paul said, what should I do? Should I boast? I'll boast in my weakness, because God can be shown strong through it. Look at what 2 Corinthians says to us right here. Verse 619, I believe it is. Or 129, sorry. Dyslexia. I guess that doesn't even make sense, because I threw a six in there. Um, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So when you say, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, God's like, I know, I got you just where I want you (laughs) Because your dependence isn't supposed to be on yourself. Because you'll find emptiness in that. We find fullness, and identity in Christ and in the body. And so I, I won't spend a whole lot of time on that. But the Scriptures constantly affirm that there is, there is um, wisdom in a multitude of counselors. A three-strand cord is not easily broken. If one can set a thousand a flight, two can send ten thousand a flight. It's constantly affirming that there is, there is. Um, power in our togetherness in our unity as the body of Christ so let's move on The first big thing, insecurity first enemy we've got to get fight through here and, and, and Moses is a classic example of fighting through that insecurity secondly, I believe it's naysaying rulers naysaying rulers And that's what Pharaoh's going to be. We go to chapter 5, and he gets, like, you ever go in for uh, asking for a promotion or a raise or a new schedule or something like that? You kind of muster up the energy to, like, pump yourself up, like, I can do this. Taryn, I don't know if you remember this, but many years ago, like, when American Idol just got started, and we still liked it. (laughs) Um... There's a reason shows go off. Um, but we were watching it, and there was this girl, and she like, went into the bathroom before her audition to pump herself up, and she looked in the mirror, and she said, you are awesome, you are awesome. Like She's just getting pumped up, and she keeps screaming at herself, you're awesome, and she's like jumping up and down, you're awesome. And like she got herself so pumped up, and she's trying to cover up over this insecurity. Well, Moses and Aaron are kind of pumping themselves up, and they, they walk in to Pharaoh, and they drop it. Let my people go. Right, that big statement that we've all heard and we know, let my people go. And verse 2 goes on and, and um, Pharaoh's like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I got a million head of slaves out there working. Like, I'm good. I'm not letting you go. Good, good talk, though. And so uh, Moses and Aaron like, uh, turn around and they're like, kind of like, sidebar, sidebar, let's do this. Let's go out to the wilderness and let's sacrifice. Let's show God we're serious. Maybe, maybe then, maybe then, we'll do this. So they go out to the wilderness, they go out to the woods. Maybe like some of you, this fast, these three weeks, been a time of sacrifice. I'm going to show God I'm serious, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. Um, but they come back in verse four, and he says no. He starts criticizing them. He's angry at them. He's like, why are you stopping people from their work for sacrifices and all these things? He said, I'm not letting you go. He, he actually, when they came back, they were really asking for, you know, for, to be free of work, and what he does is he makes the work harder. He says, actually, I'm going to take all the supplies from you, everything you've been working with, all your, bri- all your things to make bricks, I'm going to take it all away, and you still have to do the same thing. And so they went away and said, you know what, God, we're going to pray for a breakthrough. We're going to go out here, we're going to pray for a breakthrough, show God we're serious. They came back, and they're just feeling broke down at this point. Sacrifice. God, I'm doing everything I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. I feel broke down. But here's the, the thing. Some of you maybe have been in this place recently or will be in the future. Where you go praying for a breakthrough and instead you come back broke down. But if you'll let it, that brokenness. If you'll let God use that brokenness. And Persevere. Through whatever it takes between you and whatever enemy that stands between you and the dream that God has placed inside of you, if you'll persevere through it, there's going to be a character and there's going to be identity shaped in you, and and, and He'll take you farther than what you ever dreamed you would go. He he brings us along to to overcome every single thing. Say, well, Pastor, like, what's this? What's this mean? What's this mean to me? I'm not slavery, I'm not getting beat, and that's what happened. They couldn't meet the quotas, so the people just kept getting beat worse. So now it was just one naysaying ruler, a pharaoh, and now get down to verses 19 through 21, and everybody else is a naysaying ruler too. Like, dude, whatever you're doing, stop, shut it. You think you're doing the right thing, appreciate your effort, now shut it. (laughs) Like, they're over it, and they're complaining to him. So the criticism, the critique of a Pharaoh has now gotten into the people, and you get to verse 22, and now it's gotten into Moses. All of a sudden, the confidence at the beginning of chapter five, "Let my people go," has shrunk back to, "Man, this is hard." People are frustrated. And then what happens? Retreat back to insecurity. You look through that chapter and and, and chapter and chapter, you see him retreating back to that insecurity, fighting through those things, fighting through them. Say, what's this naysaying rulers? I think a lot of us have naysaying rulers. Some of us, it may be a boss, it may be a parent, it may be a friend. They may be up in a palace somewhere, or they may be in your own home. They may be your own family, like for Moses. Some of those naysaying rulers are, are things we're in bondage to. Those naysaying rulers of addiction, of, of lust, of jealousy, of bitterness, of resentment, of unforgiveness. We've got all these, these rulers because emotional bondage is spiritual bondage. We find ourselves bound to, to some things and, and we're just as enslaved. We're just as enslaved to these things. And they become our, almost our pets. And, and what we've got to remember through this is that our enemy is not the people. Our enemy is not the people. Ephesians 6, that's the one I was thinking of six. Ephesians 6 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's not against flesh and blood. There's always something behind that. The reason they're pushing back is, again, last week we talked about that, how to deal with criticism, so go back and listen to that if you need to. There's great points in there, but I think deep inside of us, it, there's a, there's something longing to be free and that freedom is found in Jesus Christ. It's found finding our identity in Him um, and in the, the body. So there's a few things just within naysaying rulers that I would tell you today. Um, the first one, the enemy's not our people, but you got to quit denying the, the slavery. Quit acting like it's not there. can't, you know, what's the first rule of like, you know, uh, confession's kind of the first step. It's the first step. Quit denying that it's there. Quit denying that the anger's there. Quit denying the anger problem. Quit uh, di- uh, denying the, the, the drinking problem. Quit denying uh, the lusting problem. Quit, quit denying the slavery it, it's, and, and just be honest about it. you got to look it in the face We've got to quit playing defense. Your name, your name is victory. You can read to the end of the book and we win. Good news. We win. Okay? But so many of us are in a defeated men- mentality and we're, we're not letting go of the past. We've got to walk in the new and walk with a transformed mind as Romans 12 tells us. Quit playing defense. Get on the offense. Stay in prayer. Don't just respond in prayer when something happens. Stay in prayer. The saying that my dad used to always use, and I don't know if anybody else said it, but I use it all the time now. Like I'm gonna, I stay ready to keep from getting ready. <laughs> he would always say that when we were getting ready. Mike, are you ready? I stay ready to keep from getting ready. So he's just always ready for what whatever is next. We gotta stay on, stay on offense. Stay in the Word. Stay in His presence. And so it's not just, oh, here's an attack. i got to get it all together. I better go read the word. I better go find a good scripture. That will make me feel better right now. We've got to quit playing defense all the time. He is our defender. He is our defender. Um, and, then, and then lastly, you just don't quit. You just don't quit. We'll see through Moses. Get up to chapter 6 and we see, uh, again, we move 4, or 5, now in 6. He's defeated, like he's, uh, he's complaining to God, like, yeah God, you said to go do this. And here he is at the beginning of chapter seven, or chapter six, and God uses this word ra'ah, which is a Hebrew word that means to see. And it shows up like eight or nine times in the first couple of chapters of the creation account in Genesis. Because God's like, see, just watch and see. Watch and see, and he goes and he reminds him of his promises to him. He reminds them of the promises, and I was in a time in my life just maybe a year and a half ago where I was frustrated. I was in a Moses. I was in a Moses frame of mind, five verse twenty-two. I was, I was frustrated and I was tired. I'd heard some people, naysaying rulers. I was listening to some naysaying rulers in me, and I'd prayed with the Lord, and, and I felt like God. You know, would would give me some of his promises, and then I'd go reach out to some people. And I remember talking to you, Kim, on the phone one day in this in this season. And I just said, you know, I know all the things to preach. I'm preaching them to myself. I'm preaching the promises of God over me. And uh, but sometimes it, it, it's it's I need I just needed to get down in my heart somehow, right? I just need it. I got it in my head. I just need to get it in my heart. And some of us with this rulers thing, with this identity thing, it's here. But deep down. If we'll persevere through a bunch of no's, no, a bunch of criticism, a bunch of, if we'll persevere through that, we'll have an opportunity to see the dream through, and that's what happens with Moses and Aaron. You guys know the story, goes on, there's these 10 plagues that he doesn't just have to go into his uh, pharaoh's office one time and say, let my people go, Uh, 10 other times, he had to keep going back, let my people go, let my people go, no, no, and finally, finally, Pharaoh's fed up with it. He's like, I'm sick of the frogs. I'm sick of the flies. I'm sick of the things turning bloody and stuff. He's like, I'm sick of people dying. I'm sick of it. Get out. Like, out. And he's over it. And at this time, Moses was 80 years old. 80, And Aaron was 83 years old. 80 and 83 years old. And I believe throughout every plague and throughout this journey, God is shaping their identity. Some parts of our identity are swiftly shaped. Other parts are steadily shaped. Somewhere sweet, like it happens like that. Like I went from being image obsessed when I uh, before I met Jesus, and I didn't give a crap <laughs> about what I looked like. I let my I couldn't grow a beard at that time, but I let my hair grow out. I started picking out everything. Uh, you know, I wouldn't buy anything. I picked out everything from the thrift store, like, and I just didn't care anymore. Right? God, God shaped some things, but there's some other things in my life that has been steadily shaped. And for Moses, and probably for Aaron too, God was shaping some things. And I think with every single time they went back. And they saw God perform a miraculous miracle of another plague. They went back every single passage. Confidence was just being built. Trust in God. I saw him do it that time. I'll see him do it again. I saw him do it that time. I'll see him do it again. So if you're in this place and you feel like you just got that much faith, and you can't see yourself to the faith of maybe some others or a missionary that travels to the other side of the world and gives their life in a small rural community, if you can't see yourself in that, it's, it's... it's not what it's about. What it's about is what's, what's the next moment of obedience. Don't get focused on the outcome. Don't get focused on what's not there. It's in that weakness that, that Christ is glorified the most. So it goes on, and this whole time, while they're quietly fighting battles with insecurity, God is quietly shaping their identity. While they're quietly fighting battles with insecurity, God is quietly shaping their identity. They lived in Israel for 430 years, and they finally get out. He's like, get out. And so they they make it out of town, all million of them plus. And then about that time, one of his officials started talking to him like, are you an idiot? Like, we're not going out there to work. Like, we just lost like 600 men slave. Are you stupid? Like, we could deal with this. Like, and he's like, and he gave in, and, and he goes and chases after them. So they're out there, and God leads them by fire, a pillar of fire in the day, or uh, a pillar of cloud by the day, a pillar of fire by night. He leads them around, and they find themselves at the Red Sea. Now they know Pharaoh's coming, chariots, men chasing after them. Sometimes we think we're free but the enemy just keeps on chasing. Keeps on chasing. We have a moment that's free, and then we don't, when we don't realize it, they come running. So we gotta be alert, we gotta stay on offense. And the last thing, let's read here for just a few verses, and then I'm gonna close here. Picking up at verse uh, chapter 13 here. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went out of Egypt ready for battle. Hear that? Ready for battle. The path that God's lead us is not always the shortest or the easiest, but it's always the right one. It's not always the shortest. It's not always the easiest. I think some of us, we come into give my life to Christ, everything gets fixed. In fact, things get really hard sometimes, really hard. We learn to have joy and peace and rest through it all, but it gets really hard. So move on, uh, verses 19. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the, the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians, you see today, will, you will never see again the Lord will. fight for me. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. There's, There's two types of obedience I really want to talk about. The enemy is not only insecurity, it's not only naysaying rulers, but disobedience. Disobedience is the, third, is the third enemy that we face. And obedience is not just the action, but it's obedience to be still. I love what God says there. Like they're praying, like he's talking about encouraging them about stillness, and then God's like, yeah, but like I still need you to like, like go. They're, they're, they're coming. So it's not just obedience to be still, but it's also obedience to act. There's so much I could talk about, obedience and disobedience, you know, delayed obedience is disobedience. You know, there's so many things we could talk about, just the the simple, what's the simple command that God's asking me of me today, but I I just know across this room, like, insecurity is not something that one of us faces. Identity in Christ is not just something for super spiritual people that feel like that. Every single one of us, God wants to for each one of us to find our identity in Him. Our worthiness does not come from anything else. It comes from Creator God who loves us and gave Himself for us. And if we find ourselves in this place with maybe surrounded by some naysaying rulers, maybe some naysaying rulers on the inside, maybe some things in the past that we can't let go of, I believe that God wants us to, to bring us into a whole opportunity and a new uh, awakening of, of freedom in Him and identity in Him. Some of the parts of my life that have been shaped steadily, I'd wish they were shaped swiftly. But the times that I've found them to move from steadily to swiftly was when it was no longer about my insecurity but it was just about knowing Jesus more. Because even in the, the righteous pursuit to rid ourselves, we make it about us. And we don't make it about seeing Him. But the more we pursue Jesus, the person of Jesus, and a relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the more we do that, it, it, everything else just seems to fade. The old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. to the things of this world will fade. And the glory the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. These guys are going to lead us. And if you're in this place and like there's just maybe there's some insecurities, there's some there's some naysaying rulers in your life. I, I, I'm not going to you know, mess around. I, I just want you to come. I just want you to come right here. If you've got some things, identity in Christ this morning wants to go deeper and deeper. If there's some naysaying rulers that you want to proclaim, I'm not, I'm not going to wait long, but I just want you to come. We're going to sing and we're going to pray. Just come if you're battling some insecurity, if you're battling um, some naysaying rulers. If you feel like you can't be still in his presence, don't be ashamed. Let's step out. I know, I know this is resonating with us today. God, I pray right now, God, just any work of the enemy that would just keep us from all that you have for us, God, I pray that we'd step into the fullness of Jesus Christ, God. Some of us, God, we find ourselves in this place that Moses did. God, And I just pray that you would draw us in today, draw us into your presence. Our whole identity wrapped up in you, Jesus Christ. All of our worthiness in you.